Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to another episode of Moon Magic with your hosts, Jeanette and David Ewing. And tonight, we are continuing our discussion on stones and crystals with a discussion on stones and crystals associated with the moon and with the element of water. And why, do I, why did I choose to include water with this? And it's primarily because water has historically been associated with the moons. And in fact, uh, the tides of the world's oceans are, are tied to the activity of the moon as it orbits around our planet. So I see them as being really intrinsically linked. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Every single stone that is associated with the element of water is also going to be associated with the moon, but there is a lot of over, overlap, certainly. And not surprisingly, there's a fair amount of overlap, although not a complete overlap, with stones, with the properties of stones that are associated with water and those associated with the moon. There's a bit of overlap, but not always uh, complete overlap. And as we delve into this a little bit more, uh, we'll also see that there are stones that are associated more with certain practices or um, certain magical systems, um, certain types of maybe meditations or some types of working, workings a little bit more than others. One of them that comes to mind is fertility. Fertility isn't uh, explicitly associated with the element of water, but for many of the stones that I'm going to be talking about, they are associated with increasing one's fertility, but it's certainly not an absolute. So just kind of putting that out there. For tonight, the main book that I'm going to use as my reference, it's not the only one. There's a lot of sources on the Internet. Interestingly, when I look at some of these sources from different Web pages, uh, businesses or people's personal pages, what have you, they will describe something and word it in such a way, and I'll know the author that it came from. <laughs> so, yeah, so even by uh, default, it seems that one of the places, and not the only, but one of the places where even people online have uh, receive their foundational mm-hmm. information is the Scott Cunningham book. And the book in question is called Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Crystal, Gem, and Metal Magic. And the version we have is, the edition we have is, is really old. Um, the book that is out right now um, has a cover that is is different than the one that's here. And also, (coughs) later editions that came out years after uh, Scott Cunningham passed, not only have a different cover, but they include a larger section of uh, colored pages 
there are the, the glossy print page that have the color pictures of many different kinds of stones and crystals. And so that in the newer books, it's there that in a way that doesn't exist in the book that we have. And the one that I have, uh, the first edition of this book was 1988. Uh, the version I have is uh, first edition, uh, 15th printing. That was 1995. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it's an old book. But uh, what do I say? It's an oldie. It's an oldie but a goodie. So you may see, and in Cunningham's books, and I've seen it in other written in other places too, you will see a variety of things written for a given stone. Uh, you might see uh, the energy, whether it's receptive or... Um, What's the opposite of receptive, the term that is used? Productive? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's a good thing I have David sitting here. I have words. David has words. Projective. Projective. Um, I don't know one. <laughs> so typically it's described as either a re- receptive or a projective stone. The planet it's associated with, and, and for this purposes for astrological purposes moon is included in here and so is the sun uh in this book element um and then sometimes also you might see a deity or deities associated with it and then you'll see powers and then different kinds of magical uses and amongst the magical uses you might also find information on some of the older folk uses from um, medieval times or Victorian times or whatever, or even ancient Roman or ancient Greek times. So that's one of the reasons why I like this book, even though it's an earlier uh, printing. And I think the later versions did have uh, – some of the stuff was beefed up even more. And they may, are, they may have had other stones added to the encyclopedia rather than the ones that are listed here. And it's a pretty decent list, but – by all means, not the only thing that is out there. And one of the uh, stones that I'm going to start off with is not the one you might think that has the name moon in it, uh, but a stone that I... The stone that has the word moon in it? No, I'm not going to start with that stone. I'm going to start with a, a different stone, this stone. And what is this stone? That's selenite. This is selenite. And selenite is found in different forms. Okay. Um, David did pass. He gets a gold star. Uh, selenite is a stone that uh, is not a very hard stone, which, well, the advantage would be that it's easy to um, to polish and to carve into different forms, and that's certainly true, uh, it's naturally grown as these great big pillars. It has a very particular crystalline structure, and it's found underground in places where there are certain types of cavern formations that may and that typically also have water um, running through them where it's either submerged completely or partially, and it's the mineral deposits that form the stone. And one of the most famous was uh, this place that was discovered back in the 90s when a mining company in Mexico started mining and drilling into these particular areas underground in a part of Mexico that um, it does have some tectonic activity, but also it's gets really hot underground in some of these places. Yeah. And this is where, and they had drained the area um, as part of the excavation, and they found this selenite cavern. It was, and it still is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. There there were National Geographic shows on it and how uh, scientists went down in there, and they had to wear all this protective equipment because it was so hot that yeah, they had to wear um, they had suits on with like minute like 
little miniature air conditioners on their backs and stuff to, to keep their air inside their their environmental suits cool because the temperatures got so warm. You, you would only, I mean, a person could only survive just like a few minutes um, in the heat. It was so like in the 130, 150 degrees. Right. Um, in these caverns where these huge selenite crystals were, were at, were there. Um, it's really, so look it up, look it up, selenite of cavern Mexico, and you'll see stuff about them. It was really amazing. But they've since reflooded the cave. Yeah, they had to. But the the company that owned the property in question, they kept it uh, unflooded uh -huh. for uh, a number of years to allow researchers to go in yep. and um, and go as far as they could because they could only go so far because it was so hot mm -hmm. uh, in there. And they even uh, took some samples of the water to see what kind of organisms were growing in there and just looked at a number of different things. And it superficially, it kind of resembles calcite, but it is uh, very different because it is much softer. So if you work with stones and crystals at all, one of the things you may have heard about is how to cleanse your stones and you can cleanse them in different forms of water, uh, maybe ocean water or water from um, a mineral spring or something along those lines or um, in water that's got some salt in it, like kosher salt, sea salt. Yep. But you can't do that with selenite because it's, uh, it will dissolve. Water-soluble. It is water-soluble. Um, this is why it's associated with the water, because of how it happens to form. Uh, it's also associated with the moon. The planetary ruler for this stone is the moon, and it's named for the goddess Selene, the ancient moon goddess. And this stone is associated with and can be exchanged between lovers for reconciliation. Um, it also has, I believe, I feel like it has energies that are associated with more peaceful energies, more calming energies, energies associated with, especially with the full moon. Mm -hmm. And I've used this for years as a focal point for full moon ritual work. I've done it for years. It stays in the center. This uh, sphere that I have now, it's worth noting that I've got polished stones. I've also got um, a votive holder uh -huh. that, and it's, you've probably seen votive holder made out of different kinds of stones where it's drilled into, you know, a particular number of inches wide and a few inches deep, maybe an inch or two deep that a tea light can sit in there. And I've got that. I have somewhere around here. I don't know where I put it. Uh, I've got a big fat selenite wand. So I have a number of these because I have been drawn to this particular stone for quite a long time. It has a kind of a, a shimmery, translucent, uh, reflective type of surface. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of the full moon on a particularly bright evening. Um, we might even be able to see what? the moon tonight. Tonight. Yeah. Um, and of course, that varies depending on where you are in any part of the world with you know storm activity or lack thereof. So mm -hmm. uh, the full moon was just. Um, are we in our? We're within a day or two, aren't we? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's technically probably gibbousing, uh, waning. Although depending on who you talk to, it might still be considered full. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So this is why I'm starting off with this particular stone with selenite. And what's interesting is that uh, this is something that is not talked about. In this version, this edition of the Cunningham book that I have, but if you look other places online, 
you'll see other information about magical metaphysical associations with selenite. So this is one of these examples of a stone based on the edition of the book that I have and the year that it was written. There wasn't that much written about it, no. but there's a lot more now. So mm -hmm. just thought I'd start off by, by talking about that. Now the other one is the, the stone in question. Uh, not unlike selenite, moonstone does have a, how would you describe the surface of moonstone? Is it kind of reflective-y or kind of shimmery yeah, looking? Yeah, It does kind of have a shimmery type of surface. And this is a stone that's long been associated with the moon, um, also with the element of water. And there's a lot of properties uh, associated with that particular stone. And it comes in different colors. There's a, a variety of different shades of moonstone um sometimes it is it can be more of a like a peach color mm -hmm. sometimes it's more of a color that looks very very similar to selenite uh i've seen some in fact i've got little stones uh that i use for jewelry making and it's more of a grayish kind of color so it does vary a little bit in color but it is it's definitely a receptive stone. Uh, the planet is the moon. The element is the water. Uh, the goddesses associated in, in uh, let me back up by saying not only is it associated with lunar goddesses, but it's also associated with goddesses rather than some gods and goddesses. And I think this, a lot of this has to do with, um, how it's just been associated historically yep. in with other cultures. And uh, Selene, not surprising, uh, the goddess Diana, Isis, and really all other lunar goddesses are associated in one form or another with the stone of moonstone. So it can be a powerful stone to work with if you are also looking to work with and attune with and connect with goddesses uh, specifically associated with the moon. Like many stones associated with the water, uh, not all though, um, it is associated with love, with divination, with psychism. You do see these trends a lot. But not all, again, there are variations and delineations, I guess we would say. What's interesting is um, gardening is also associated with moonstone. Or moonstone is associated with enhancing one's garden. There you go. It's a better way of wording, wording that. Um, moonstone uh, can be used to help somebody fall asleep and to ensure a more restful sleep. And interestingly, um, a stone associated with water, it's also associated with the earth, is jade. And jade is on my list of stones I was going to talk about, maybe not to the very end, but moonstone is associated with gardening as well as, as jade. And you can wear it during the time that you plant your seedlings or your seeds um, or when you are watering your plants and crops. Uh, you can also bury a small piece. And the purpose of this is to help your garden uh, with its fertility. So not surprising, fertility, in this case it's fertility of plants, is also associated with this stone that's also um, associated with love, bringing love into your life, keeping love, um, the things around that whole nature. And it is associated with maintaining, maintaining one's youthful appearance. Um, it's worn or used in rituals designed to renew or maintain a youthful appearance. 
um, an attitude. So I, I wouldn't go as far as say that if you wear it, it's going to take 10 years off the clock, um, better than Botox. Um, we don't <laughs> <laughs> we do not recommend Botox, but hey, if you want to do Botox, you can do Botox. This is a free world. You can do what you want. Um, but yes, one cannot wear a moonstone necklace in place of um, going under the knife. But what it really does, is it helps you, the person, attitude. So it gives you the attitude. So instead of you are focusing on your crow's feet or whatever else you think makes you look old, it'll help to change your attitude about how you see yourself. And that's a really big part of it as well. I'm sure you've met those people over the years where uh, you might know that they are an older person, um, in their 70s or beyond, but they have a really youthful attitude in the way they approach life. That's really what we're talking about. Uh, lastly, it is associated and can be used for protection, and it can protect you. Um, it can certainly protect your home, but uh, it's considered to be a, a traveler's protective stone. So you wear it while you are away from your home, to protect you while you are away from the protective confines of your own place. And again, you can also uh, bury this on your property to help protect your, your property as well. So those are just a few of the many things that are associated with Moonstone, and I'm sure there's a load of other uses associated with this. I didn't even go into divination too much uh, because there's a lot of different ways you can incorporate it. Um, it may even be, <clears throat> one may be able to use it in certain types of scrying spells or um, you know, workings or what have you. So, Or use it to help enhance uh, other kinds of divinations that you are doing, mm -hmm. maybe with um, Pendulum work, you can have one, you can have a pendulum where the men end is a piece of moonstone. Oh, yeah, um, those. Yeah. yeah, we used to carry used them. To sell those. <laughs> we used to carry them. Yeah. Um, and keeping it with uh, maybe your tarot decks or, or what have you. So there's a number of different uses. So next in line is another stone that's not technically a stone. It's a shell. And that's Mother of Pearl. Mm -hmm. Mother of Pearl has this highly reflective. It's iridescent. It's, yeah, it is iridescent yeah. with shades of like. Another word. You did, you're, you're, you're two, two and out tonight. I got words. Iridescent. Iridescent. And it's got a, a lustrous <clears throat> finish. That's, that's the, the term also. Um, it's sort of a metallic looking sheen, but it's not a metal. It's the inside of. A shell. Um, it's been used for thousands of years, been made into buttons, and a bunch of other things, and um, it's made from different types, species of mollusks. So animals that are filter feeders are the sources of the inside of this shell, and it comes in different pieces. There's a variety of different styles and shapes that I've seen and so on and so forth. And it is something that is, because it's not a stone, it, it's, it's got different kinds of properties, really. Um, although there's still some overlap, um, the element that's associated with it is not only the element of water because it's comes from sea creatures, but also the Akashic element, and that is an element, it is like, I'm going to say it, the fifth element. Yes, there's earth, air, <laughs> fire, water, and... The fifth element, and yes, in some teachings, the fifth element is spirit, and that's certainly the case, but also, and uh, Cunningham and other authors have talked about this Akashic element 
And when it is when it is ascribed to stones or minerals, it's talking about a substance that really incorporates all of the elements, and it comes from or is made from something directly in nature. It's not necessarily a mineral per se. That's why Mother of Pearl is in this category. Uh, it is associated with wealth. Anything associated with wealth, you can add it to um, or around um, workings where you might have candles that will be green or gold. This, because of its reflective, iridescent nature, it uh, definitely attracts the light, but also because of its shininess, because it looks like it's made out of metal. It is one of these types of substances that then can take the place of the metal that you would want to attract. And in this case, silver, gold, shiny things. Right. Shiny things. Um, so it's used in spells for wealth, money, for um, money drawing rituals. Um, you can also anoint a mother of pearl shell with seawater, and seawater contains trace amounts of gold. Yeah, it can. It can. Um, Not we, enough that you're going to go out and like collect a bunch of seawater and like let it evaporate and collect gold and get rich. Right. Trace trace amounts. Yes. Um, and you can um, add it to oil blends, money drawing oil blends, and um, where you would include like maybe essential oils or other herbs like cedar or patchouli or related kinds of stones. Um, you can put it, again, you can put it between um, a couple of green candles and visualize what you mm-hmm. want money-wise or monetarily speaking, and then use this, uh, the shell by itself as, as a charm to carry in your pocket or to make it make it part of a charm bag or whatever. Um, it's also associated with protection. And it is related to um, new life. Mm-hmm. So historically, mother of pearl would be placed on newborn babies or like around them or in their crib or whatever to protect them from the perils of their new existence. So I think is an interesting, mm-hmm. I mean, specifically used for newborn babies because of where they get the the shell from versus how babies are from uh-huh. something that was it comes out of something that was a lot that was <laughs> is alive, right? Right. Another living human. Uh-huh. So there you go. Um, mother of pearl. Uh, I think it's also safe to say that you can associate it with healing, with definitely with connecting with your oceanic deities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your goddesses, but maybe gods too. Um, there are some sea gods. There are. There are a few. There are a few. There are. You know, Poseidon and such. Poseidon, Manana McLear. Yeah. Um, among others. Among others. Somewhat related to Mother of Pearl is Pearl. And I say somewhat related because they, it is something that is not a stone that uh-huh. is made from a living thing. Yep. It's actually formed because of an irritant inside of a shell, oysters specifically, it can be freshwater oysters or it can be oyster species that are found in the world's oceans and coastal areas. Mm -hmm. But it's an irritant that when this irritant is inside of the oyster, the oyster... um, starts to lay down this... It, it's a coating to, yeah. to cover the irritant 
to make it less irritating. Right. Yeah. To protect itself. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is, uh, again, associated with the moon, but also with the element of water, and because it is not a stone, it is it comes from a living thing, it is that fifth element. It's that Akashic element. And there's a boatload of deities associated with it. Moon goddess, uh-huh. gods and goddesses, as well as deities associated with water. Isis, Aphrodite, uh, Freya, Venus, mm-hmm. Lakshmi, Diana, Neptune, and Poseidon. And it again, it can be all Oce- oceanic deities, really. Um, although some would say that it would be associated more with goddesses than gods, but um, I wouldn't write that in stone, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's associated with, not surprisingly, love. Um, because it is uh, also associated with Venus and Aphrodite. Aphrodite is one of the many famous pictures. She's an oyster. Uh, yeah, it's like clam, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Right. So that's probably where that association also comes into play, and. It's worth noting, though, that the oyster has to be killed to remove the pearls. So there are some questions about some, yeah. ethical considerations with that. Now, oysters are also used as a food source, but it is something just to keep in mind and to remember that if you have any pearls and uh, that you found, whether they are freshwater or from a saltwater environment, the same thing holds true that pearl has to be extracted in a very particular way. And this is why if you are going to keep pearls, or especially if you're going to use them for any sort of magical purposes, it's something to keep in mind when you're working with something that came from the sacrifice of another thing. Yeah. You know, just something to kind of be aware of. Um but pearls associated with love, with money, because they have been sought after for millennia, especially the ones that come from oceanic pearls, um, older, bigger pearl uh, oysters <clears throat> will contain, um, can contain pearls that can be very pure in color, pure white color, perfectly round, and they've been, you know, associated with wealth forever. Forever. If you look on the crown or a tiara of any major royalty figure, uh, they're probably going to have pearls in them. Yeah. Um, A decent possibility because it's so obviously associated with wealth. Uh, It's also associated with luck. And... Interestingly, it's associated with protection as well. I don't say a lot about them. It is something that can be used, but given its source, just something for you to think about. Uh-huh. Now, everything else, though, they are, again, moonstone, selenite, and all the other stones that um, I've got on my list here are stones that are, it's, they're made from minerals. Uh-huh. They come from <clears throat> the earth. They are formed in a variety of different ways. And one particular type of stone that can be associated with fire, uh, but in certain colors are strongly associated with the moon and with water is quartz. There's clear quartz. There is rose quartz. There is the purple quartz, which is amethyst. Amethyst in and of itself is associated with um, a lot of different properties. 
And it can be found in a lot of different forms. There's certainly lighter and darker shades. There is chevron uh, amethyst. It sort of is in bands of lighter and darker purple. There are amethysts, and I'm sure you've seen pictures of them, and they're very expensive. The ones that are part of those giant geodes that are only found in certain parts of the world. Right. Yeah. Um, which are amazing to look at, but they're cha-ching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really I'd love to have one or two, but, you know, we need to be able to pay the mortgage, too. Yeah. But we do have larger pieces. We do. Uh, that are, that were probably part of a, maybe. A cluster. Yeah. Yeah. We have clusters, and we have a lot of amethyst points, different sizes, and some are polished and whatever. Yeah. Um, associated with the moon, associated with water. Um, interestingly, this says that it is associated with the great mother, uh, which I find interesting. Interesting word. Um, again, this is a Cunningham book. And if you look at different places on site, you'll, uh, online, you'll probably see a variety of deities associated with amethyst now where it might not have been years ago. You know, people evolve in their, in their thinking, um, about and they develop different associations and connections. Uh-huh. And as people meditate with these stones and work with them, then they often also um, have certain connections that might come into play that includes certain deities. Mm-hmm. So just kind of putting that out there. Um, this is the one that's interesting because there's also herbs associated with it, including mugwort. Uh, sage, sweetgrass, chicory, and now of course this one's quartz crystal, so that's really what they're talking about is the clear quartz, but the moon aspect of it can definitely be associated with clear quartz, but also with rose quartz and amethyst for sure. Um, it's associated with healing with psychism, um, and in particular, amethyst is associated with um, healing, psychism, promoting peace, promoting happiness, this, uh, promoting courage, in other words, dispelling fear, you know, one's own fears, self-doubt. Um, it's used for dream magic, and it's used in protection work as well. And, again, because it's also associated with um, the element of water, um, as many stones that are associated with water are, uh, it's also associated with love. So why is amethyst used so much? Because I think it it is used, I don't want to say universally, but it is one that's used um, overwhelmingly. If you were to pick five stones that are used by people in various types of magical and meditative practice, amethyst would probably be up there. And I think it has to do with how it it can calm a person, can set a better emotional mood. It um, it helps overcome negative emotions. Um, you are certainly in a more peaceful state of mind uh, when you take some time and you work with the stone especially for that purpose. Um, and in particular, it can help to calm your fear. Mm-hmm. It can raise hope. It can lift your spirit. So it's spiritually uplifting. And it's good for most types of, uh, how can I put it, spirituality-related work. If you're developing your spiritual self, this is also a good stone mm-hmm. To work and from the healing aspect of it it is I've seen 
written and I've used it myself uh, for rituals associated with physical healing. For me personally, I have found amethyst to be good for helping with um, helping you to fall asleep at night, helping with uh, uh, dispelling bad dreams, um, and emotional healing. All kinds of, of emotional and spiritual healing. But emotional healing can, you know, can take a, a number of different forms. It can be healing from past trauma. It can be emotional healing related to uh, relationships that didn't work out, uh, a number of different things. But it's a really good overall stone for that. Yeah. Um, it is used in work related to divination and enhancing one's psychic abilities. Uh, and it's also associated with um, increasing one's wisdom and mental power. Uh, Mental powers and clarity, clarity of thought, and also with memory. So there's a lot of mental, emotional related stuff that amethyst can be very helpful for. Uh, again, you can also use it um, besides having it as part of divination workings or having it as a stone to set out or a focal point for meditating. Quartz points can also be put into pendulum points. Pendulumies, yep. Yes, and used for pendulum work as well. So it is good um, for that, not only because it's a quartz, it can be found in quartz points, mm -hmm. but also because specifically mm -hmm. because of its powers associated with divination and uh, promoting your mental powers and psychism. Uh, related to that would probably be intuition. Probably it's good for uh, increasing one's intuitive abilities. Yeah. And, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 I'm saying that, I mean, quartz is very, quartz, right, is, is it's very multipurpose. Um, but for a generic general use, it is it just for focusing whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's just good for whatever it is that you are doing. If you add quartz to what you're doing and you can use that to help focus your energy and focus your intention and focus the, what it is that you're, that you're doing anyway. So, I mean, clear quartz especially is, is good to use, just about any time for what you're doing. Really. It is. Uh, and quartz in particular, um, it can be added to a lot of other types of spell work to enhance the power of that mm -hmm. spell. And I'm not even going to go into the uses of quartz um, in watchmaking. I'm still not entirely sure how that is done, but it is a real thing. Yeah. Um, Quartz movement. It has to do with how. Um, it's I a forget. physics thing. I knew this at one time. I did too, I but I don't remember because. Oh, quartz watch works. Because we're old and we just don't remember this stuff. Nope. We learned it in skew probably a thousand and fifty years ago. No, nope, I learned it somewhere else on the internet. Did you? Yeah. Oh, on the internet. Or on TV. <laughs> um. Aquamarine is another cool stone. I have a little bit of it floating around here and there. There's not a lot. It can be a little bit pricey. The aquamarine stones that I have are little chips that um, I use in jewelry making, but it's a nice stone. It's, again, associated with the moon and the element of water. It's also associated with enhancing one's psychic abilities. Um, this is also good for purification. Uh, so, you know, you don't always need a really big, heavy, chunky, chunky stone for helping to purify a space or yourself. You can have something that fits in the palm of your hand. Uh -huh. So you don't always have to spin an arm and a leg. And, yes, sometimes 
aquamarine can be a little more expensive. But the stuff that you often find in stores that either are pieces or polished would be a little bit smaller. It's not going to necessarily be the high-end jewelry quality. Right. So it can be a little more than your average other stone, but not hugely expensive. Um, but it is another stone that's good for soothing one's um, more uh, restive emotional state. Mm -hmm. um, it helps to calm one. It's good for calming emotional problems. It is a, jo a stone of peace, joy, and happiness. And uh, you can probably make that argument for amethyst as well. Maybe not so much the joy part, but maybe. Yeah. Um, one can say if you are in a place where you are um, a highly meditative state, where you are working with um, focusing on calming um, more emotional states, if you're upset about and stressed about various things going on in your life, um, it can help you get to a place mm -hmm. of peace and joy, certainly. And, and aquamarine is, is one of them as well. Um, it's also worn as a protective amulet. And interestingly, this one is associated with, if you wear it as a protective amulet, um, it's supposed to be protective when you are sailing or when you're flying over water. Yep. Yeah. Large bodies of water. Uh, fishermen and sailors have long made it the special amulet against danger. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, would make sense. Yeah. And again, it's also associated with enhancing one's um, psychic powers, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, sapphire is also a stone associated with the moon. It is one I'll just briefly mention, mainly because um, you can find sapphire in forms that are not jewelry grade. They'll be usually embedded in maybe a matrix of another type of stone. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, it is, it's going to be more expensive, but it, again, it depends on the form that you find it in. Uh, but it's also associated with, um, with healing and um, love, peace, mm -hmm. um, again, healing, uh, good for meditative practices. So if you can find raw sapphire, because that's really what you would be talking about, is sapphire that's sold in a raw form. It's not going to be the jewelry grade. No. Um, no. And the jewelry grade stuff is expensive, and the raw stuff works just as well. It does work just as yeah. well. So, yeah, you don't have to go to a, a jewelry store. If you want to get interesting with it, <laughs> if you really want to get interesting with your, with your stones, your gemstones, get the raw stones and get a tumbler. And, I mean, there's stuff on YouTube and TikTok and stuff about how to tumble your stones and the tumblers that you can get and stuff. It's like maybe 100 bucks or so to get set up to do, you know, to start doing stone tumbling. And then you can do tumblings and turn those, those raw stones into something more polished, and you've done that, and you've worked on that, and you've, you've put that energy into it. So that kind of helps with the connection with the stone. And that That's kind of true. That's too. a good yeah. point. In you fact, know. you could go one step further and have a little cluster of stones that you'll put in your little tumbler that are all projective stones, and then maybe others that are... Them together, yeah. Do the receptive right. stones. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, but again, that's another stone, and... You might be able to find something fairly inexpensive if it is a, um, again, if it's a raw, a raw form of that uh -huh. stone. Um, moving on to, there's only 10 minutes left, but there are a few stones that um, specifically associated with the element of water, not necessarily associated with the moon, they are associated with uh, other planetary rulers. You could make the argument, though, that, for example, if a stone has a planetary ruler of Venus 
It may also be associated with the goddess Venus or the goddess Aphrodite or healing goddesses or, again, specific goddesses associated with water and healing or just water in general. Mm -hmm. And there are many of them. Um, But the stone I'm talking about is sodalite. It's um, a dark blue stone that is often veined with white. And I guess the white is calcite. I think so. Um, And it comes in, you can find it in a lot of different sizes. Um, We have some around here that are, we have one someplace that we bought that is. No. Well, yeah. Do we have a sphere? Oh, yeah, it's right here. A two-inch, I guess a two-inch, two-and-a-half-inch sphere of a soda light. Yeah, and this one, um, I don't know how many years ago. We've had that one. It's a, We've had it a long time, and I was drawn to it because it has this little spot. And what does this spot look like? Oh. I know you've seen it. You had to have seen it. Have you never paid attention to it? I've had this stone 20 friggin' years. No, I've seen the spot. <laughs> I just don't know what it looks like. It looks like a seahorse. It looks like a seahorse? To me, it looks like a crescent moon with a little star next to it. Yeah, it looks like that, too. <laughs> the dumb says seahorse. David says it looks like a seahorse. Okay. Um, maybe. Um, the mine. Get off my back. <laughs> What makes it noteworthy as a stone is that this is a dark blue color. It looks like the color of dark denim, really. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things that separates sodalite from lapis lazuli is it's a slightly different shade of blue, and lapis has uh, pyrite in it, fool's gold. Yeah. That's what makes it sparkly looking. And uh, it's the matrix that the stone is made out of is different. Um, So it is, um, as a result, it has different kinds of magical properties. Right. So, uh, but sodalite is, again, associated with the element of water, anything having to do with healing, physical healing, emotional healing, compassion, empathy, intuition, uh, promoting peace, Mm-hmm. Uh, enhancing one's psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, it can aid meditation and also, again, because it is part of this realm, it can help with um, enhancing wisdom. And it is very useful for emotionally related healing, depression, stress, anxiety. It can help dispel anger. Um, and one of the things that if you're somebody who is quick to anger or someone who holds on to anger, mm-hmm. stones that are associated with the moon, but in particular that are associated with the element of water, can be really useful to help calm you with a specific uh, function of helping to dispel. And it can be a good stone to work with, to to start meditating with. Uh, Hold it in your hand and focus on releasing that anger. Uh, Amethyst, the stone that I talked a lot about, is good for that as well. But so is, is sodalite. And it's not a quartz. It's a more, it's denser, more dense. Yeah. Is the word, is the term. More dense. More dense or denser. It has density. If it has, if the density <laughs> is increased, it has more density. So it's more density, more mm-hmm. dense. More dense. Okay. Yeah. Um, it does help to, to dispel fear and guilt, which uh-huh. is always good. And. It'll help you with stilling your mind, with relaxing your body. That's all related to this whole dispelling stress and anger and just calm your inner 
inner turmoil. Mm -hmm. um, so this is another stone that's good for that. And this is one of the reasons why I'm probably drawn to it because it's something that is just really good at helping to dispel those emotions of anger and stressfulness that we are all inundated with in varying degrees at different times. And in fact, I've got the sphere in front of me. I have another big chunky piece that has the hole drilled into it for you to use um, as a tea light holder. I've got other large uh, raw chunky pieces uh -huh floating around the house as well. And I've had those for years. It is a stone that uh, you can find raw or you can find polished, like in the form that I have, different sizes, different shapes, uh, you name it. So I think it's probably one of the top ten stones that you're going to have, that you should have, um, to work with. Before you go into any of the more exotic ones that are harder to find, that are certainly a lot more expensive. Um, Sodalite and again, amethyst are good places to start because of the wide, varied properties relating to the emotions and the mind and and healing. Um, and they're not very expensive. No. You don't have to spend a huge chunk of money. So you know, you don't have to go out and find uh, pearls or um, aquamarine uh, or some of these others, unless you really want to, right. um, some of these others that are more readily available are really good places to start. And you can always look for sales, gym and mineral shows, uh, if they happen to come to your area. Mm -hmm. um, there's a number of places online, too, reputable sellers. Um, in that regard as well. So, and there are a few others, and I'll just briefly list them, and you can do some re research on your own. Um, one stone, and I don't happen to have any of it because it's something that I don't see a lot of, is tourmaline. Now, there's black tourmaline. Uh, typically, it's nothing associated with the earth element, uh, but pink, blue, and green tourmaline are associated with water. Uh, pink and blue calcite are associated with the element of water. Um, Chrysocola also associated with the element of water. Um, blue lace agate that I didn't talk about at all. It's a light blue stone. It's a type of agate. It's a light blue stone. So it has um, it's striations, the, the right word. It looks like it's it's layered, like a lot right. of the agates are. Uh, but it's a pale blue. It's a light blue color. And one thing that's good, uh, that uh, blue lace agate is good for, is helping to calm family strife. Really? Yes, that in rose quartz. For family-related hoo-ha, um, issues, family drama, uh, keeping, it's harder to find a big piece of blue lace agate. It's easy to find rose quartz. Yeah. You can find rose quartz in either polished forms or raw forms, a bunch of different places. We've got a bunch of larger chunky pieces of rose quartz. And one of the things that it's really good for, besides some of the other things I mentioned with like um, amethyst and some of the other stones, is that it's good for um, promoting a space of tranquility and peace within your home to help decrease family drama. Yeah. Yes. Um, so if you need any of that, Rose Quartz is a place to go, place to start. If nothing else, again, it's a stone that is pretty cheap. You could find Rose Quartz polished, you know, half inch, inch long, and it's fairly inexpensive at most New Age stores and other places on online. So, um, 
and that puts us at the top of the hour. So I hope this has been a useful primer for you and that it encourages you to go out, look up some of these stones, see what they look like, and um, see if you can find some and uh, start working with them. Yeah. And so, of course, we would like to thank Circle Sanctuary for allowing us to do our shows twice a month. And, of course, we'd like to thank you uh, for listening to this show and all of our other shows on CSNP. And you can look for all the other shows coming up in the month of July, for the rest of July, on CSNP, C, the CSNP page on Circle Sanctuary's website, circlesanctuary.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, our shows are also um, sent out to the ether to all the podcasting. All yeah, and there's some that I haven't I hadn't even heard of recently, and I found out that it was on that one yeah. too. I don't even remember the name of it now. It's one of the newer, smaller ones. So, and of course. Uh, as soon as this show airs, it's automatically archived, and you can find it through Blog Talk Radio. And you can also find it, again, through Circle Sanctuary's website. Yep. And it's on Stitcher and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all over the place. Yeah, all of the ones. All of the ones. Uh-huh. And so let's see. For tonight... Um, looking for, oh, I know. Did I miss it? No. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. The moon is high. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I was looking for. There's a big long list of all the musicians and all the songs we have on Blog Talk. We are here in our little internet studio here. So uh, we are going to close out the show with The Moon is High by Spiral Rhythm. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great night. Blessed be. Blessed be. The moon is high on this night of power. The children come at the witching hour.
Sanctuary Network Podcasts, presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connected to the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash csnpodcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings.